I mean, I could see if it was a standard of reckless abandon of just a, a tribe of savage people that loved murdering women and children. And this is the God just loved it. And mm -hmm. like, you know, like, I mean, there are deities like that, demons, you know, like that, that love children being sacrificed mm -hmm. to them. And if that's what it was, I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, hold on, this is wrong. I'm not for killing women and children for sport, you know, or to it for for the uh for the uh devotion to God, for the dedication to God. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't ask them to do that. He's he, there's no standard being set forth that I am the Lord thy God, and I want you to kill women and children. Because it would be, I can see the conflict if that's how you interpret this, because he said, thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. Real discussions, real opinions, real stories and testimonies, real church talk. Welcome to Acts 2 and 42. All right, welcome back to Acts 2 and 42 podcast. Uh, this is Keith, and I'm here with TJ. And uh, if you've watched or listened already, you know, we're here dealing with um, some popular issues, you know, questions dealing with uh, theism versus atheism. Uh, and in this regard, we're now on to some questions that uh, question monotheism, I will say. I, I think we can say that. but. Um, specifically question the Bible, you know, um, it's a better way just to say it. Um, so I don't see, we, we said in the last episode dealing with atrocities, if there are atrocities, if, if God kills innocent people, okay, if anything, we can try to make a case that this God is a terrible God. Um, he's not benevolent. He is not love. If you want to do that, but it ha it doesn't hold any bearing of whether or not the universe was created or not. It doesn't touch on the first cause, unmoved mover concept. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to separate the two. Um, but since it's a question, let's go ahead and deal with it. Uh, again, to the atheists, Christians and atheists alike, question scriptures like this. I know I have family that's like, man, well, it's hard teaching kids right from wrong. You know, like, well, the Bible says don't murder, but then God murdered. So what do you do with that? That's a reasonable question. <laughs> so mm -hmm. this isn't against atheism. This is just... Um, our attempt to properly answer the question of what took place, and we're going to go to a specific passage. Um, so I don't know. T I mean, let us have it. What, what's the passage? What do we, what do we got going on? What's the story here? Uh, the passage is in First Samuel uh, fifteen, and just an overview. Samuel or Saul, excuse me, is told to go to the Malachites and pretty much slaughter them all. And Saul um, is the king of Israel. Yes. Okay. Um, so just starting at verse 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered, gathered the people together and numbered them in Telam, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart. 
get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye shewed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So, I'm going to try to give layman's terms back to, to what I think we just read. Um, Saul, the king of Israel, is told, did Samuel tell him this? Yes. Samuel being the prophet, uh, the prophet being the one that God speaks to, um, the oracle, you know, the guy that God, God comes to and says, tell him I said this. So the prophet being the messenger mm -hmm. between God and the people. So he comes to, to, to uh, King Saul and tells him what God wants done. And who are the Amalekites and why does God want it done? It said that in the scripture, right? Yes. Um, the Amalekites, as far as the direct reference, um, they had pretty much treated Israel badly in the, in the form of killing um, mm -hmm. when they were coming out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, the Amalekites pursued them and were, were slaughtering. Mm -hmm. So in Deuteronomy, the Lord said, look, I'll blot out the Amalekites from out of heaven, mm -hmm. from under heaven. Mm -hmm. I'll blot their name completely out. Um, in remembrance of what they had done. Yep. So when Samuel is going to anoint Saul, he's telling him, look, I will anoint you um, for the God of heaven so that you can be a leader of his people. But this is what the Lord wants done because he's already promised mm -hmm. that because of their evil, yep. he's going to reward them for what they did to Israel. Yep. So now it's the time for recompense. And Saul is told to completely destroy everything, which again is what the Lord had already said he would do, which is blot out their name from under heaven because of the evil as a repayment for the evil which they had already done. Yep. So I, I want to kind of intervene at this point and point out the fact that um, whether you're a Christian that is challenged with the morality of this or whether an atheist, um, if you're challenged, period. If you're mm -hmm. challenged with the morality of this, I understand that. Um, but at least in understanding the, the, the passage itself and the story itself and the background itself, you have to separate yourself you know, from that issue you have. Mm -hmm. Put yourself within the text, adhering to the truths of the text, adhering to the principles of the text. Um, being that, A, God is God, he is sovereign, and he is Lord, mm -hmm. um, which means he is the master of, of the universe. He is he-man, you know. Um, he's in charge, and his judgment stands. It's not, basically, it's not, we can make every excuse under the sun why, and we do that. I mean, we have several podcasts, you know, like we talk with Terry, and, and Terry can find good reason in his mind, and it's like, well, the scripture seems pretty cut and dry. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, and not that he wants to find himself arguing against scripture, but he thinks he sees, not a way, no, I don't want to say a way around it, because I'm not trying, you know, you understand. Mm -hmm. He thinks he sees something that's possible that, that doesn't necessarily, is not necessarily wrong to him. You understand why he can't do this or can't do that. So we can do that all day long, right? But I think as a Christian or a Jew, or, or you could argue, you know, a Muslim as well, you know that, but if God says it, it's absolute. It's cut and dry, right? And, he, and my, my point of all this is one of the foundations of all this is we will all be judged. There's recompense for everything. Yes. There's repaying. There's, there's um, um, you reap what you sow. So we will all be visited 
for the evil that we've done, except we repent, mm-hmm. right, and forgive one another. Him holding this standard, this group of people, is not unfair. It's the standard of the whole world. Mm-hmm. It's his standard, not ours. So, I, I mean, uh, yeah, you got to put yourself within it. As a Christian, I don't get to determine what is morality. I don't get to determine what justice is. I don't get to determine what light or darkness is. It was already created for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a hand in determining, yeah, I, don't, I call that light. I don't call that dark. You know, um, I call this right. I call this wrong. You know, and, and the conversation with theism versus atheism, a huge part is, is arguing right and wrong. Mm-hmm. How we're even able to determine it. We started off the last, yeah, the last podcast uh, of atrocities with the C.S. Lewis quote. The fact you even know it shows, you know, there's a, there is a distinction. And it's, man, so I, I don't want to go too far in that. But you have to put yourself within it and understand he judges everyone. This is not an unfair situation. And in this case, are they innocent? Like, according to the scripture. Is he killing no. an innocent group of people at no. this point? The innocent group of people was actually allowed to depart. And they were persecutors of the original innocent people in the story. Okay, you were talking about the Kenites? Yeah, the Kenites, they were allowed because they had not, they weren't ones that were um, warring against Israel when they came out of Egypt. Yeah. So, so because they had treated um, the children of Israel kindly. The innocent. Said, yes. They treated the, the innocent not, kindly. Yes, exactly. Because Israel hadn't done anything. Okay. They were coming out of Egypt. Yep. And the Amalekites went to war against yep. the children of Israel. The Kenites didn't. Yep. So what God said is because you have done this thing, it will be visited back upon you. Yep. I will blot your name out completely yep. from under heaven. Yep. Um, and interestingly enough, that's not just something we see with the, quote, ungodly. Um, because no. we have a nation within Israel. Where because they did wrong, yep. God blotted their name out from under heaven. He does not have uh, respect to persons. No. The Bible says he has no favoritism. Um, even though there was a nation that came from men, descendants that chose to honor him and follow the true God, according mm-hmm. to the scriptures, you know, um, there, it seems to be favoritism for Israel, but it's not without cause. It's not without reason. It's, mm-hmm. it's because um, they believed in him. They followed him and not other gods, you know. But even within that, what appears to be favoritism for Israel, even within Israel, he judges them the same. Yes. And says, I'll blot your name out. Yes. And he'll blot your name out if you're not careful. <laughs> you where, know? Exactly. And where there was a, a um innocent party, the opportunity was given to remove yourself or suffer the same fate. Yep. Um, and God specifically calls them the sinners, the Amalekites. They weren't, they weren't innocent. Yeah. Not only are you being visited for what was done, but when you continue, he didn't come to a group of people who had changed. When you continue doing wrong and you're bringing up children, yep. no one's innocent here. You know, you've now made your children guilty by the things that you've imposed on them, you yep. know, by the things that you've done. So he's not killing innocent. In, in the last episode, you know, why, how can there be atrocities? Why does evil exist? And why are there atrocities? And why does God allow for this? You wanted a intervening God. You know, the, the argument begs for an intervening God, mm-hmm. right? And now we actually see an intervening God. This is one of the examples. We see God defend the innocent. And unfortunately, because of either misunderstandings or some, I mean, I don't know, some may not want to see it, but let's call it misunderstanding. You blame him of killing innocents. Mm-hmm. He's defending the innocent and killing the guilty. Does that, I mean... Yep. But it's it's odd that 
but you wanted him to intervene. It's like the last time we talked, you wanted him to intervene. And now we come to an example. And we wanted him to leave those who we perceive as being innocent, such as the woman and the sucking child, mm -hmm. when that would only carry it on. That, that's, that would perpetuate the genealogy exactly. of the generation. And that's, I mean, you, you, you took it there. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't mean to finish your thought, but oh, you're good. I accidentally did. You know, um, that's the part I don't think people get. You need to, like, that's why it takes suspending judgment, suspending feelings of morality or whatever, and just understand the proper context of the scripture to understand, well, he's defending the innocent. The people that he's killing are not innocent. They're actually ones guilty for hurting the innocent, so he's avenging the innocent. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, what about the kids and the children? You already, you already went there. Because it's like, all right, well, whatever the, uh, the men did, the patriarchal, you know, <laughs> <laughs> savage kings and leaders, because um, they, you know, I, I joke in modern terms, but um, you could say the women and children had nothing to do with that. So why are they, you know, held to blame, but you, you took it there? Because it would perpetuate the genealogy of the people who um, admitted uh, or uh, committed atrocities. Mm -hmm. And he said he was going to blot them out. He said he was going to wipe them off. Um, it's, it's, it's a good time to point out um, the Amalekites are one of, is it six or seven? I, I believe it's seven. Yeah, tribes, different groups of people. He didn't just go around killing random people willy-nilly, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> um, he, it was very clear which tribes had to go, mm -hmm. and that was it. And outside of that, he, didn't, he really didn't touch anyone. Except for examples like Sodom and Gomorrah, mm -hmm. where it's like he saw the iniquity, heard the cries, and he saw the wickedness in that city, and now it was time to avenge. Now it was Even time after to repay. saying, if you can find me 50, and then going down, if you can yeah. find me 20, and then going down, if you can find me 10 righteous, yeah. if you can, you can find me can five righteous. Show me the innocent. I'll save all of them, mm -hmm. but show me the innocent. And again, you have to you be willing to step into the context of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't think people want to, I, don't, I really don't think people want to give it a chance. But if you stand inside of this story and you understand all of it, like we're saying, well, by that standard, I mean, he did everything he could. And, and all of this is an example of a God that's trying to protect the innocent. Because if evil persists, again, why do atrocities exist? Why didn't he intervene? But there's plenty of examples in the Bible that he intervenes, and you said he did the wrong thing. But no one realizes that if evil persists, if this thing hurts, this is evil, and this will hurt people. This will hurt the innocent. This will infect the innocent. Forget judgment in heaven and hell or what morality God you know, establishes, but just the fact that that level of debauchery, you know what I mean, will affect the evil. In the story, innocent people were in their homes, and men came to mm -hmm. beat on the door and say, hey, you know, come out, come on out here. Uh, we want some. Um, who wants to live that life? And basically, a group of men can strong-arm you in your home. Wouldn't you, you, wouldn't you hope there was a police officer nearby? that You know, you can call the police real fast if men were beating on your door. Um, well, I mean, in, in a sense, that's, that's the role God played in this sense. Um, so, anyway. Um, I think that us, with that, that viewing in the scriptures where, you know, with Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord even reasons to say, look, show me, show me righteous, show me someone who's innocent outside of this home, you know, outside of the ones who I'm actually giving a way of escape from, mm -hmm. you know, or giving a way of escape to. With the Amalekites, 
you know, Saul says, look, separate yourself from these men or separate yourself from this group unless you want to be destroyed with them. It shows, one, that God already knows that in this group that he's taking out, there is no innocent. Mm -hmm. You know, he sees the things that we don't, so we're assuming that we see something he doesn't. Yeah. Like, oh, well, they were innocent. No, um, that's not the case. But it shows that the, that there's always opportunity given, you know, to turn, mm -hmm. to, to, to get away from a thing um, before he rains down judgment. Wow. But we're not. I think it's it's because of a lack of um, a lack of understanding. I don't think that we're and willingness to understand. Yeah, I think a lot of people. I I mean, it would only be a lack of understanding. Um. No, I would say this: it's a lack of willingness. If you look at the scripture and says, "Oh, he killed women and children," and that was it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you looked further, and you didn't gain understanding, then it's a lack yeah, of understanding. Gotcha. But if you didn't look any further and you just said, ah, oh, he killed women and children, what the heck's going on here? Uh, and to be fair, people have these questions. They go to clergy, and the clergy have no answers or yes. no sufficient answers. Um, uh, anyway, so, I mean, I'm not, always, I'm not blaming the person who doesn't necessarily have understanding because the, the people around you should help you in that mm -hmm. area. But, yeah, so it's, it's lack of understanding and sometimes lack of willingness. So, man, where do we go from here? As far as taking that off the table, yeah, I think I, I think that just like that scripture, uh, I think that scripture is a perfect example of why, to the atheist and to the Christian alike, why there should be, um, a, a, a thorough consideration of when we're using scripture of the scriptures that we're using to try to make an argument, mm -hmm. you know, or to try to, to try to use as proof. Because even in the scripture, there's context given. Mm -hmm. Before it gets to the point where he says, pretty much save none alive, yeah. you know, it's, look, I see what, I remember what they did. Yeah. And you repay them for this. Oh, there's innocent there? Okay, you can go, or you can stay, but understand that staying will result in judgment, you know, along with them. Um, but if, if we're not, if you're, like you said, if you're just going to the scripture and say, oh, women and children. Yep. Then you're really not, you're, and it, it. But is it a standard? I mean, I could see if it was a standard of reckless abandon of just a, a tribe of savage people that loved murdering women and children, and this is the God just loved it. And mm -hmm. like you know, like I mean, there are deities like that, demons, you know, like that that love children being sacrificed mm -hmm. to them. And if that's what it was, I'm on your side. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, hold on, this is wrong. I'm not for killing women and children for sport. You know, or to it for for the uh, for the uh, devotion to God, for the dedication to God. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't ask them to do that. He's he, there's no standard being set forth that I am the Lord thy God and I want you to kill women and children, because it would be. I, I can see the conflict if that's how you interpret this, because he said thou shalt not kill, mm -hmm. and that that's that's the issue. You know, um, you know that that we face. But but again, like I said, I I, I would if I saw a standard perpetuated killing women and children as sport for fun or for, for sacrifice, then let's have a problem with it. Let's say, hold on, but we don't have that. We don't mm -hmm. have them cheering about killing. We don't have them saying, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. We actually, like you pointed out, we see, A, the fact they're not innocent, you know, that they've done wrong. They've already hurt other people. Um, but the fact that there was a leniency 
within that. Mm-hmm. There was kindness within that. Um, and other biblical examples of patience and, and second chances. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say let's understand the story in its best context that we can. We don't see women and children killed for sport. And not that, I don't know if that's, you know. But we see a general theme from this story throughout the whole text of patience and forgiveness and second chances. It was the Old Testament God whose mercy endured forever. Because everyone says that was the bloodthirsty God. But they praised him that he was so merciful. And rewarded righteousness to the, what was it, the, to a thousand generations? Yeah. Righteousness. Iniquity to four generations. Iniquity would be repaid to four generations off, I think it was. But righteousness, a thousand generations. It's a pretty nice guy. You know, and I want to give a real world, okay? We, we see that example, the, the merciful God, the mm-hmm. patient God. We see that in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Like you said, can you find me a righteous man? If you do, look, I'll call it all off. You know, and it, we saw that with, with the story of um, Noah. He found a righteous man. He saved them. Mm-hmm. He found Abraham and Lot. He saved them. You know, well, not, you know, Abraham, but you know what I mean? Um, sent Abraham. But not, you understand what I'm saying. The innocent are always spared. Mm-hmm. The innocent are never killed with the righteous. And, like, isn't that apparent when you read the scriptures that the innocent are always saved? It's only the guilty that are judged. And I think, again, I think we're, we're mistaken. The cho- women and children of the Amalekites mm-hmm. um, as innocent. Yeah, in there will be a, um, a blog which explains further as to why women, children, even the animals. That talks about so many blogs that I ain't seen go up yet. There will be a blog. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Go ahead. I don't want to hear that. Um, yeah, that, that was Acts 242. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> End of the show. Cut it. Cut the mic. Yeah. Um, so real real word, just just to to address the the morality of scripture or what is moral and and why us being moral people, right? For all intents and purposes, we're like, man, that ain't right. Um, when we have that inclination and but the scripture says something is right. I, I mean, it happens all the time. And not that it's right. I'm just trying to make a common sense, regular, you know, everyday parallel. You know, whether it's in court or like court TV or when you ever see, this is, this is the same type of arena. You have the plaintiff and the defendant. And you have someone else, that's the judge. And a lot of times in court, it'll be a, a jury of your peers, you know. Um, but you have a judge. Um... For instance, court TV. I mean, you can watch that all the time, and you can hear both sides, and you can be like, "See, I don't, I don't think they did this. I don't, or I don't think, you know." Mm-hmm. And then the judge is trying to come up with a fair ruling. They're like, "Well, I hear them you saying that, but you don't have evidence for that. And I hear this, you, you know, but you did that, and I, I can tell that you knew mm-hmm. what you were, you know." Unfortunately, a lot of times the 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 ruling ends up being a compromise. You know, Solomon was cutting the baby in half. You know, that was like, "All right, let me see what's going on here." You know. But a lot of times the rulings tend to be a compromise, or you as the 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 audience, you think the ruling's unjust. You, you understand? Mm-hmm. But that that's I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's pertinent to the conversation. I just feel like it happens all the time. And we don't necessarily see it as just, but we don't necessarily understand the law exactly. to its furthest extent either, which what the judge does. So the judge knows the law and 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 the law is it. 
you know, it's not like, all right, I, you know, yeah, I, I think, I don't think it was a loan, but I think you need to repay that money or whatever the case may be. But we don't have paper. We don't have a contract or we do have a contract, whatever the, whatever the, whatever the law requires. Mm-hmm. And it's like in society, we, we understand that. We may, we may not like a specific ruling, but in society, we understand that that's, that that's how things work. But again, to understand who is innocent and who's being judged, we have to understand the law mm-hmm. and the lawgiver. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just felt like there's, there's some type of you know, parallel there that we can take society today or things, you know, TV we watch all the time and that dynamic and apply it here that um, he's the lawgiver, he's the judge, the rules have been laid out, right? And they're lost. We may not be okay with it. There's plenty of things that morally we we don't know, but we're not exactly experts either. Mm-hmm. And I think we've already pointed out that sometimes a lot of this, there's a misunderstanding of scripture. There's a lack of understanding um, of why. And I guess to conclude it, there again, in the foundations of the teaching, God is God. The Lord. The Lord. Mm-hmm. A Lord or a king, potentate, whatever fancy word you want to use. Um, we are not. We're okay with that. Um, those that aren't tend to ask those questions, you know. I don't know if that's fair, but I think you can you can say, man, he killed women and children without being like, man, how are you going to kill women and children? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the concern and the intrigue to understand it versus I don't agree with that. Well, I this, is, this isn't an answer, but my ultimate feeling about that is it's not for you to agree on. Really not. And I think we've made a great case. We didn't start off with that. I didn't start off with saying, hey, you know, get over it. You ain't God. What you going to do? I'm not starting off there, but I am, I am kind of ending there. Because it's, you don't have to agree with him. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to agree with how he wrote the genetic code. You don't have to agree with everything that's, that's uh, the, the immutable laws that Einstein referenced. Mm-hmm. You, don't have to, you don't have to agree with those. They're laws without you. <laughs> you can't do anything about them, you know. Um, and I think this kind of falls under that category, except it's a biblical, spiritual one, not a laws of nature one. But it's the same thing. You didn't make it. And that's something that I think um, a, true, a true Christian, you know, or, or Jew in this sense, they keep themselves, they stay in their lane. They, they understand that. They look at the story of Job, mm-hmm. you know, when he doubted things or when, you know, when things didn't go his way and wanted to curse his own life. And, um, man, <laughs> What, how did he say it? Who, who, uh, basically, what silly the darkest man? Darkest counsel. Yes, darkest without counsel. knowledge. Without knowledge. Who doubts me who doesn't have knowledge themselves? Where were you, you know, when I made the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I told the sea how far to go and where to stop? And, you know, where were you when I did all this? You didn't have anything to do with it. And that's, I don't know, man. I think society as a whole has lost that identity, that concept, that stay in your lane. Man, we are limited. We understand limited things. Um, and the first cause is limitless. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is, it's got entitlement we don't have. <laughs> yeah. And I would venture to say, in the, spir- in, in, you know, the Christian side of it, um, we would do well to respect the first cause. 
Because the first cause doesn't adhere to time. We do. We have an end without the first cause. Mm-hmm. Is, that, <laughs> is that fair? Yeah. Um, and as a Christian, we claim to know the first cause, and we claim to be redeemed and now be timeless with the first cause. He's, he's, he's uh, extended that hand, you know, for mankind. Um, I don't know. You got anything to conclude? I mean, no, I know I kind of that was it. I kind of went off on. Uh, you ain't got no right to judge God. That, that, that was it. <laughs> um. All right. So, man, if you made this, you know, I appreciate you listening or watching. Um. I don't think I don't think um. We would probably question each other if we did, but I don't think we we defend things for the sake of defending them. I don't think we'll defend it to a fault. Yeah. It, you know. Uh, we hope we're not doing that. If someone thinks we got something wrong or wants to fact check us, um, definitely let us know we're wrong. Comment all this. I've said it on pretty much all the videos. Um, if not, stay tuned. Uh, the next episode, we want to deal with the God fallacy, Christians. You guys talk dumb. <laughs> I'm, be, I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm joking, but man, stop, man, stop. So. Stay tuned. Um, Atheists, you might love this one. Um, We're going to deal with our Christian brothers um, and the God fallacy. Um, So thanks for listening. Axe442.com for more. Um, That's it. Axe442 podcast.